0: Welcome back to the Zeitcast. This is Jonathan Martin, and last night I had the privilege of having the most wonderful conversation with the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. I know many of you are familiar with her ministry. She is the senior minister at Middle Church in New York City. She is a public theologian, an activist, an author, and I think just one of the prophetic voices that We need right now most in the church, and I'm so grateful for her leadership always, but especially in this whole crisis around COVID nineteen. Not only the way that she's leading her local community there in New York City, but the kind of ambassador she is for the Body of Christ around the world uh, in this moment. I just think it's 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 also important. So what a what an honor to be able to share. Uh, not only a rich conversation, but an especially sweet time of communion with Jackie last night. And as we're moving into this holy weekend in an especially complicated and charged time, I know this was just a conversation my own soul needed. I hope it speaks as deeply to you as it did to me. Um, So especially grateful for Jackie, honored to have her on. And speaking of gratitude, Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our patrons who make the Zeitcast possible. Uh, Even in the midst of all these things that are happening in the world right now, I do not take it for granted. So I'm thankful for each of you. I'm thankful for whenever you guys like, share, review, any of that helps us. But again, as always, especially grateful for the patrons. And if you want to sign up uh, uh, via Patreon or there's a link from my website, JonathanMartinWords.com, Anything that you do is deeply appreciated. Without further ado, here's the Reverend Jackie Lewis on the Zycast. Well, hey, everybody. Jackie, I think this might actually be working. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited. So anyone who knows me knows I'm like the least tech-savvy person ever. And when I'm kind of on the island here at the house trying to do this on my own, it inevitably means... Disaster for everybody involved. So, Jackie Lewis, you're a hero of mine. Thank you so much for bearing with me through all this.
1: <laughs> it is okay. It is okay.
0: Well, it's such a pleasure to have you. I know in the last year, uh, I mean, I've followed you for in your work for such a long time, but I got to hear you in person for the first time being at the Universal Christ Conference with Richard Rohr back earlier this year and then we marched together with Dr. Barber a few months ago. Yes, so yes. I've been scheming for a while to like have you on. I had no idea because I know, hey, it's Holy Week. You're in New York City right now. I was laughing before because I feel like, you know, so many people are all talking like they're doing crossword puzzles and playing shoots and ladders. I'm assuming that's not what your Holy Week looks like right now.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We are not chilling. Um, one of my friends, Allie, is at One of our artists, uh, she wrote me a note today and said, are you resting at all? And I was like, Mm. no, but it made me take a little bit of a break today. Like every couple of hours, I went downstairs and tickled my granddaughter who's isolating with us. She brought her parents. So she's two and her parents are here uh, and a six-week-old baby brother. So just to stop for a minute and listen to her giggle and tease her and help her do a puzzle, that's it. But it's busy, hon. It is... uh, we're making a movie every every day for yeah. Holy Week because uh, we're putting yeah. our worship together and then streaming it online. I see. Uh, but it's good work. It's good work.
0: That's awesome. And you've been on the Today Show and I saw you on, on MSNBC. You've kind of been all over this week.
1: It has been a real blessing, Jonathan. I mean, you know, because you do this work. Like every now and then you've my my young people would say you've you've built up receipts, meaning you've shown up in the field with your friends, you've marched for justice, you've stood in the gap, you've been to the border. And most importantly, I think the people in your community follow you and say amen to what you say, and then you get a chance to say it on a bigger space. And that's, yeah. that's everything to do with my community at Middle Church mm-hmm. and the work that we've done since, you know, Trayvon and Michael Brown and all the spaces we've shown up around queer work and Black Lives Matter and women's work they made it possible for me to have a chance to do some public speaking this this week so i'm proud of that
0: that's beautiful i'm wondering you know because i I, so you're one of my favorite prophetic voices and pastoral voices anywhere anytime Uh, but knowing things are heightened not only with COVID 19 but i'm especially curious as to what it must feel like for you uh to to be doing all that you're doing in the midst of all that you're in the midst of during holy week and this being monday thursday in particular what does that feel like what does that mean
1: yeah thank you you know jonathan we uh i would say my life has been on fire since around march 9 and, and i'll bet you can time it that way for yourself yeah. we were beginning to look ahead we were thinking about holy week we have this big revolutionary love conference coming up in april we started asking ourselves what was the responsible thing to do in terms of being with people. So on the 15th of March, we went to our sanctuary, a few of us, my, my clergy colleague, Amanda Hamburg ashcraft a couple of our musicians, a couple of lay people, and we broadcast from the sanctuary for the last time. Okay. And it was sad. It was so sad. We were just, we were six feet apart. We had on our gloves and masks and wow, it was sad. And yeah, it was sad. And Manhattan was crazy, right? It was crazy. So, thanks be to God. Um, I live in an apartment that the church owns in the city, and I, live in a, I have a house in New Jersey that I come to on the weekends. So, we kind of packed up our stuff, my husband and I, and came here. And that's sad because I love Manhattan. So, I'm going to talk about like, how the sorrow, like you don't have to manufacture sorrow. You know, these, these holidays come and they mark Jesus' triumphant entry into the city and his tears for the city. They mark his temple tantrum. You know, we, we kind of rehearse these stories that are, that are fundamental to our faith. Yeah. And I imagine every now and then there are pockets of people who are like, I, I don't feel that sorrow right now. I don't, I don't feel that um, angst because their lives are great and things are good. Mm-hmm. But goodness gracious, Jonathan, America's mourning. The globe is mourning. The globe is suffering. And as we suffer, I think we, you and I, can own the kind of mandate to love, right? This Monday, Thursday is about the mandate to love. But the central act in that story, besides Jesus' commandment to love and washing disciples' feet and breaking bread, the Exodus story is about getting liberated from bondage, but he's betrayed, Jonathan. That's where I want to go. Yeah. This globe. Is suffering from betrayal mm-hmm. and I don't mean virus because viruses happen <laughs> they are organisms and they found some hosts and they're gonna do their thing mm-hmm. but the betrayal of systems and structures mm-hmm. betrayal of lack of health care the betrayal that makes it so that you know we're all paying attention to Wisconsin's crazy voting in that white state <laughs> where there are only 6% African-Americans and then like 70%, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, 50% of the people who are dying are black, right? There is a betrayal in, in this yeah. um, a betrayal in um, slums and people piled on top of each other and lack of uh, systems, lack of the ability to distance. So I'm talking about a betrayal to what we think human life should be like, Jonathan. So here we are. It's Monday, Thursday, and I'm feeling Jesus' betrayal. Mm.
0: That's so haunting, Jackie, and powerful. I'm wondering, like, because, um, you know, I feel like, especially in an environment where things are so polarized right now, um, there seems to be a lot of kind of denial about that reality of betrayal, that even yeah. when the systems are collapsing around us, uh, depending on where people their news or you know how they're thinking about the world that a lot of folks still are just kind of unable to 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 grapple with the way that our structures are failing us and leaders are failing us what would what, what do you say to that when a time where even like finding some kind of shared language to describe what's happening seems to be so difficult even within even within the church
1: yeah I think we have to go back to the future, Jonathan. I mean, I think we have to, those of us who, who make our living telling the story of Jesus, I'm talking to all of our colleagues who preach and write sermons and tweet and blog. Yeah. We've got to take people to the story and, and the story is old and new.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: I'm talking about Jesus's betrayal, I'm talking way before Judas gets busy.
0: Mm, wow.
1: He, right. He is born an empire. Yeah. He is not given the right to a life that is rich and full of joy and peace. I'm not talking monetary rich, although that too. I mean oppression and derision and outsiderness. Yeah, uh, this this is his people for 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 centuries. But mm. in the, the time of his birth, um, he's betrayed when he's born. His mom and dad don't have room in the inn. He's mm. betrayed when Herod decides to do an infanticide, to to Mm -hmm. kill all the babies. And he only lives because his parents are able to find refuge in Egypt. And when we say something like that, Jonathan, when you and I say he was a refugee baby, Mm -hmm. I get so much hate mail for that. Mm -hmm. Because some crazy theologian has said to somebody, everything that happens is God's will. So you can't, it can't both be that he was betrayed. It can't both be that there was an infanticide and he had to escape to live. And God is a loving uh, God. Mm. So we got to do better theology. We've got to tell the truth. Mm. We've got to paint the picture of Jesus, not as a blonde haired, blue eyed empire person, but as a dark skinned, nappy haired (laughs) African Semitic person, Mm. swarthy, poor, not elegant, Mm -hmm. not, not, you know, Rumanesque. Mm-hmm. And that God chose to come in that body, Jonathan, to be yeah. one of us. God yeah. chose to come to us as one on the edges, as one who was, our Latinx friends will say, un pobrecito. Mm-hmm. God chose to come there to mm-hmm. teach us what it means to be human. And if we're not talking about that, at Maundy Thursday if we're not talking about the mandate to love comes from the margins yeah. we're failing we're failing the message friend
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm oh that's so important Jackie it really is um, I find it it's such an interesting phenomenon to watch the way that because I don't know I feel like anybody who's authentically um, tapping into the message of Christ it is a message that always comes from the margins and yet it's been it's frankly been fun kind of watching it with you the last couple of weeks that um, there seems to be an openness in some pretty mainstream places for that message that does come from the margins. And yet, and of course, that's not turning this into some kind of hyper-Calvinistic God's ordained it all, but it seems like some of that wouldn't happen if we weren't in such a vulnerable place. So what's kind of your sense of like what the Spirit is doing in the midst of this? Because I do feel like that kind of desperation uh, creates an openness in people and maybe a hunger in people to hear a word from God. And yes, maybe even that word from God from the margins in a way that we in our complacency and comfort, were not able to hear the same way before.
1: I think that's right. And I, and you know, you and I can have this conversation and I want to be nuanced when I say, when I quote scripture, when I say in all things, God works to good, Right. That, that comes from Romans, and someone will say, did you mean God caused the virus to kill the people so God could teach the people? Like, mm. hell no, <laughs> that is not what I mean. Yeah. I do mean that we serve and are loved by a God who is able to etch in our hearts, to put inside our spirits mm-hmm. a yearning for, a thirst for, justice and connection and love that when we're the most vulnerable jonathan there are lessons that we can learn and we are learning lessons right now there are studies showing that people who've never prayed are praying right now yeah and you know it's the same reason why people go to church on easter and christmas they know there's something that they want they don't know if they can get to it every week but they know there's something beautiful to be had and of course Some of our colleagues mock them, but I'm like, if you're praying for the first time, come on, baby, let's pray. If you're having a conversation with God for the first time, good. If you're learning in this time of vulnerability that you are inextricably connected to your neighbor and that their survival really is tied up with yours, Mm -hmm. come on with that. That's great Mm -hmm. because it's true. You cannot live in this place unless we all together, you know, lean in to our vulnerability and. Our humanity our shared humanity so god is allowing something amazing to happen in this moment and i'm proud to be able to talk about it with you and hope that your listeners are thinking yeah what is god saying right now to us about who we are and who we want to be
0: yeah oh that's 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 so good that's so helpful and it's interesting too because i feel like sometimes when we enter into holy week in particular um, there's the sense of kind of needing a sort of ceremonial reenactment whereas i feel like right now uh yeah no no one's you know no one's having to to manufacture (laughs) these feelings of grief and despair and disruption and disorientation coming into monday thursday and and good friday like it's there and everybody's there because it's like that's something interesting about this moment for me too is that Um, it it feels like everything that's happening is such an equalizer. I mean, I think about the other day talking to a friend of mine who works at 7-Eleven who was saying how thankful he is that he has job security right now. And I'm thinking about other people that have had a certain measure of wealth and influence who are are pretty convinced that they're going to lose absolutely everything in a matter of weeks. So it's like no one is not touched. No one is able to kind of shut down their sense of of vulnerability and kind of frailty in a moment like this, like we're all we're all affected
1: yeah it is it is uh, the kind of pathos this pandemic is stripping all of us of the the, the vestiges of security yeah um, the world is i think it's never going to be the same again, and i'm not i mean i'm sad about this, and i'm frightened frankly about this. Yeah. my husband is he wouldn't want me to tell you, but he's 75. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm 60. So we're both in a vulnerable age group, but he's in a different age group than I am. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to happen to our grandkids. I'm, I'm terrified like everybody else is, but I'm noticing, I'm noticing the ways we're becoming more intimate with our congregants.
0: Yeah.
1: Sunday's not enough. Right. So, we're touching bases more. I woke up this morning, Jonathan, and I wrote a personal note to everybody on my board. Mm. I, I just wanted to say, I love you. I'm thinking of you. Talk to me. We're reaching out to people on phone. We're getting together in zooms. We're finding more ways to be creative about how we reach out to each other. Mm. That's also like a, a thing that's happening in this moment. Um, they when we're calling our congregants, Jonathan, we're getting their stories. And so, My colleague Amanda called a young man who works in a hospital.
0: Mm.
1: And she said, You know, can I pray for you? And he said, Yeah. And he said, Please do, because every day I'm walking by the rooms of these elders who are dying. And I say a prayer for every dying person that's dying alone. And I say a prayer for the bodies that are being loaded in the trucks. I say, And I'm like, Oh my God, that's unbelievable suffering he's enduring
0: yeah
1: and and to turn the love out right to turn the love out wow i think we're finding something about out about ourselves too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. it's like it feels like such an apocalyptic time because it's that whole idea that it's a moment that just things are being revealed because i think one of the things i've been sitting with this idea is that all of our illusions of control or that we're safe or the people around us are safe or that we're somehow in charge of our destiny. Well, really that was, that was never true. So it kind of feels like a time like this kind of exposes what's always a reality. That's always is, but that we're not necessarily in touch with.
1: That's right. No, that's right. We are, we are naked, right? We are, we are naked to, we're naked to, what we don't know, we're naked to what we can't control. Yeah. We're naked to the uh, the limitedness of our of our physicality. Mm-hmm. We're, we're naked to the finiteness of ourselves, yeah. and're we're, we're naked to the fact that death is a part of life. Yeah. Jonathan, death is a part of life. It's always a part of life. It's mm-hmm. always you know, we begin to die the day we're born. Mm-hmm. so I'm thinking that if we could just grab that and think then about how precious every moment is,
0: Yeah.
1: how precious, what if what was revealed to us is the preciousness of a drink of water Mm. in your mouth, a cool drink, uh, the the skin of a grape when it bursts, laughter, making, you know, holding tight to your your loved one. Mm -hmm. What if, what if we, what if we became more alive? Mm. because we knew that the death was so close to the life mm-hmm. and that God is so present right there in that mix. Does that make sense?
0: It makes so much sense. And it, it, it brings in attention for me too, because I know like, and I'm not trying to skip past the events of the weekend, but knowing this is a time that that's part of what I think Monday, Thursday, going into Good Friday, we do, you know, we, we reflect on the ways that death is part of the story and death is, inevitable for us all, and that, that there is no resurrection without like death first. But I'm wondering for you too, like knowing that, um, I mean, as a pastor in the city, as you're trying to kind of gear up for Easter, what does that look like right now, knowing that in many ways, I mean, whatever form resurrection takes, it's not going to mean a corporate gathering on Sunday for sure. A lot of these things presumably are going to look the same on Sunday that they do on Friday. So what does it mean to sort of carve out space for the hope or the possibility of resurrection when right now death seems to be the prevailing reality and there's not necessarily a, there's not a time limit or a deadline on that right now.
1: Ooh, that's a great, great framing of that question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to answer you two ways. One is like a really technical way. Um, You know, worship at middle church is always, we might call it circular worship. I don't know. We just, it's joyful. It's, art, it's dance, you might have a puppet <laughs> preaching. You, know, you might have people dancing on the pews and, and you might have them running the aisles, I don't know. It's just always a sort of cacophonous, joyful experience. Mm. And when I say we're grieving that, and we are grieving mm. the way we hug everybody during the passing of the piece, right? We're grieving the, 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 the music uh, that is sometimes classical and jazz and sometimes deeply bach and sometimes gospel you know we're, we've met so what we've been doing in a technical way is trying to duplicate that experience mm. so to duplicate what would happen on tonight which for many years we did a shared seder with our jewish friends mm. and we we have that as well but, but lately we've been doing a more like agape meal and sitting at the table together breaking bread doing communion so we're trying to duplicate that right at seven o'clock uh, right now we've we've taped it and it's happening and we're streaming it so we're trying to create a sum song of that intimacy yeah. uh, tomorrow night we always do a seven last words and so we've we're imitating that we're, we're we're producing that we did seven homilies and i got to light the candles and put the candles out we have a tenebrae at the end mm. we filmed them in our houses and we put it together my my lo- lovely colleague jeff is editing everything Saturday we're imitating what we usually do as a Easter vigil quiet praying and Sunday morning it will be wild we have a wild many-voiced um, virtual choir that is just taking a lot of time to put together but we really wanted to try to bring that to people we've got uh, my sermon will be taped on Saturday and we'll drop it in um, we have a virtual Easter egg hunt for our kids so there's eggs all over the website for them to find i mean we're just saying Jonathan that this weekend is a container for so much of our faith.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: How do we keep the container as familiar as possible in this time of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at the same time, we're saying the church was the house, like the church was the house. Yeah. So last week we did communion on Palm Sunday, like take, get your Oreo cookie and your milk, (laughs) get your bread and your wine. Get your cup and your, you know, get your water and your crackers, get your French toast and your mimosa, people. Mm -hmm. Wherever you're breaking bread, break bread with us like you would have in the earliest church. Mm -hmm. Before we had magic words, Jonathan, to be honest, right? Before we had robes and ordination, Mm -hmm. people broke this bread and shared this cup and God was present. So to take people back to what is simple as well is something we're trying to be really intentional about. God is not left here because the stained glass windows are not here.
0: That's right. God is
1: right here, right here, wherever two or more of us are gathered. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I love that. And I know I, I, I'm sure there, there, surely there's some people out there who are snobby about this idea of virtual communion, but I just, I <laughs> believe it's so strong. And I, in fact, it's never seemed more important to me, this idea that, that, that Christ, that there's something transcendent about the power of Christ that we can take whatever, if you got pork and beans, whatever, whatever you have in yeah. front of you, it actually feels like, like I you know in our community, it feels like in a weird way, as we're taking communion from our respective places, it, it, it's only been more powerful in terms of finding a way to unite us in the midst of this, not less. And I can't even explain that, but I just know there's something to it. I think there's still something mysterious about that meal in particular that brings us together, uh, even when physically we're, we're so isolated.
1: I agree with that, I, I, and I hope that you will put all the stories about the way you're doing that in the world because you have this platform, and people do have. Like, I'm not picking on people's um, ecclesiology. Sure. We, we just have all grown up to learn this is what you do, yeah. And these are the people who can do it. But when you think about the the crux of this Easter story, Jonathan, is an empty tomb. Yeah. And someone who seems to be the gardener. Mm. Being confronted by a mourning woman named Mary.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And she's so grief-stricken she can't even recognize him until mm. he calls her name. Mm. And when she when she is deputized or, or yeah. ordained by him yeah. to go tell yeah. my brothers and sisters what you see, she didn't have to go to seminary for that. She didn't have right. to wear a collar for that. Or, you know, good on us, those of us who have those credentials. Yeah. But she was authorized by the Christ mm-hmm. to preach. Mm-hmm. And I think if we could get, if the church could use this moment to really live into the priesthood of all believers, yes. that that child on the playground would learn when I'm sharing and I'm loving and I'm preventing a bully from picking on my friend, I'm being the body of Christ. You know? mm-hmm. The teenager would learn when I'm, you know, sit befriending a new kid on being the body of Christ. Mm. That grandmother would imagine when she's baking cookies for her grandkids, she's being the living body of Christ. Just yeah. like when you're marketing, just like, you know, that's, the, that's what this is. This is an opportunity to claim our body of Christness.
0: Mm. Mm. That's so, so good. So good. And I love that you brought up in particular that, that text with Jesus and Mary and the gardener. I know that is the lectionary text for Sunday. And I've thought about, and I'm curious, I'm not trying to steer this in any particular direction, just if you had a thought or a riff or whatever. You know, I've seen a couple of like fun memes, you know, referencing that text, you know, that Jesus, of course, in this time of social distancing, that Jesus does tell Mary, you know, don't don't touch me right now. Don't touch me. <laughs> but it does seem like like kind of on a on a deeper level, there's gotta be something in that for us right now, like this idea that. Mary knew Jesus one way before the resurrection, yes. but something so w- was so profound that was happening. Something was shifting in Jesus to where the God she knew before, she could not know the same way. And that resurrection does actually call us in a way to sort of uh, forget about the God that we thought we knew to know the God that we can only know now in a way that might actually take on a different form. It's just it's something about that. That whole uh, issue in the text of form does feel especially relevant right now somehow. I think we should
1: write this down and make a book out of this. This
0: is oh, I'm, yeah. I'm down for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you know that that translate like don't hold on to me. Yeah, like I love the way it feels like it's don't hold on to me, which in my holy imagination is don't stifle me, don't hold me back, don't don't put me in a box, you know, don't, don't, don't constrict me. Don't restrict me, which, which I think is, you know, yeah, the form of the resurrected Christ breaks out of the uh, box that we want him to be in. Yeah. I would say like way outside the box would be my riff, you know, Mm. this, this living, breathing God Mm. who can, break out of death is too, it's too big for our boxes, yeah. too big for our creed. Sometimes too big for our, did you say the right words too mm-hmm. big for our Christology mm-hmm. too big for our Christology. Mm-hmm. Do we really believe that God doesn't want every human being to find their way to, to God as love. Yeah. So I think he was saying like, look,
0: <laughs>
1: Don't hold me back. Uh, yeah, that's my riff. What do you think?
0: Oh, I just, I just love that. I mean, it seems like, well, it seems like in that story, in and in ours, you know, it's, it's, it actually is tragedy that is the catalyst for that. It's grief that's the catalyst for that. If there wasn't a death, if there wasn't some kind of a loss of the world that we once knew or the way that we're familiar with connected we, we've connected with God in the past, then we wouldn't be broken open to the surprise of God meeting with us in a way that's new. So that just lands in very deep places in me that, like, this is a moment for that. That, like, uh, maybe all the more for those of us who've gotten used to thinking God only works in a certain way and a certain form with a certain people that maybe this is, a, this is a kind of death and a kind of grieving that in a way, that, again, doesn't gloss over that or minimize any of the pain, but that could open us up for a resurrection to take a different form and for the, the power of God, the power of the spirit yeah. to, to touch us in a way that we wouldn't have, have had access before this like, transition in grief.
1: I really like that. And I'm, I'm always fascinated that the word resurrection and insurrection have the same roots. Yes. And I think myself what is the revolution? What is the, what is the, what is the, the, what's the wildest, what's the wildest thing that could happen right now? Because we take resurrection seriously because we take revolution seriously Mm -hmm. because we take seriously the possibility that life can be so different than it was yesterday, two days ago, six months ago. Uh, like, you know, here's the deal, you know, um, You are getting phone calls about people dying. I am getting phone calls about people dying. And when you're talking to somebody who lost their their loved one, someone you know, my my aunt died, you know, uh, what? Uh, Howard Thurman tells a story of his dad dying, and he wasn't a Christian, and so the church he grew up in didn't want to do his dad's funeral, and that really affected Howard Thurman's. christology theology he believes that the you know christ spirit is everywhere love is type thing is is where he ended up and i think to myself when someone's dead and they're calling for comfort i'm I'm like okay so let's see was your mother saved was your aunt saved no (laughs) this is about people's grief and what What's the love answer? What's the antidote to the grief? The wide open arms of a God who's willing to get on a cross and open up his arms. Yeah. And to say to the thieves around him, like today you'll be with me in paradise. To say to the, to the woman and the, and the son before him, I'm gonna make you a family. You know, To be human enough to, to, to say, I feel forsaken in this moment. Mm-hmm what can we crack open? Mm. Jonathan, the way we've tried to institutionalize and box up Jesus.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And let him get out of the grave. Let him get out of the tomb mm. that is our that is our dead faith. Mm-hmm. That is our restricting, prejudiced, biased unless you do it this way you're not doing it faith. I think that we need to let Jesus get up out that grave as well.
0: Oof. Oh, that's Who's sick. going to
1: call me on that and be like, "Girl, no"? I'm like, "Well, guess what? That's what I think." yeah I no. out of the, the tomb of our fear and the tomb of our institutions, and like, this is the way to read that. And I've, I've got a beautiful, gifted staff person who isn't ordained yet. Yeah. Why? She hasn't gone through that last hoop of CPE. Oh, or what, who? What is going on with us? With the uh, keeping ourselves in business, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like resurrection is a lot wilder than any of that. And if if it's true that this Easter drama is always playing out over and over again, I think we'd be naive to think that we're not still trying to place the son of God, the son of love into tombs now. And that we're still not trying to confine him to small constricted spaces where he's ready to bust out.
1: I'm sure he's like, sometimes I think about Jesus is looking at us like, come on people. That's, small. <laughs> it's, it's too small. That's too small for what God can do.
0: Yes. Oh, that's, Let's so up. that's so good, Jackie. I wanted, um, when I first asked you about doing this particular podcast, I was so thrilled that uh, you had mentioned that we could do this with bread and wine. Because, you know, I don't think, I just, I don't know. I, I've always loved communion. I feel like the Eucharist at this point really is the center of my faith. I grew up very Pentecostal in a place where Uh, In my context, we didn't practice communion a lot. Now it's, it's become everything, but man, never more than it is in this moment where I just crave that kind of connection with God and that weird sense that somehow, even again, taking it, taking the elements in separate spaces, that it's connecting us with each other. That just somehow seems especially important for the moment that we're in.
1: I agree, love. And I think we should do it. I think we should both give each other a blessing on these ordinary elements and um, and, and go ahead and do this communion thing.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, how, however you'd want to guide us liturgically, you feel free to just, to just be led. I even have like, <laughs> to be by myself right now, a fairly large piece of bread. So
1: I think you should do the bread and I'll do the cup. That's great. I got a little piece of bread. I got like a little
0: Triscuit. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> God of brats and triscuits, zebra cakes, like whatever people have, like, you know, <laughs> even a process, whatever. Christ can meet us in that.
1: <laughs> let, let us build a liturgy together. Let yeah. us build a liturgy together. Um, Holy one, we thank you that you are present mm. all the time, mm-hmm. Everywhere. It is not a coincidence that your people sit at table and break bread together. Mm-hmm. For you have made yourself known in ordinary fruit of the earth yes. and an ordinary fruit of the vine. You who rained manna from heaven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You who made a meal of quail for your people mm-hmm. fleeing bondage. Mm-hmm. You who gave us fire and recipes. <laughs> Mm. Taste buds, <laughs> you who gifted us with Oreo cookies and milk <laughs> and sweet potato pie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we thank you, God, mm. for your presence in the breaking of bread and in the sharing of cup. Yes, <laughs> to you, my friend Jonathan. Mm. Mm.
0: Well, God, we just thank you for this mystery that you have chosen to make yourself known to us through these gifts of bread and wine. So whatever elements we have, whatever it is that we carry, we ask now that you would consecrate this meal, allow it to become for us the body and blood of Christ, but we pray that you would consecrate us also, that we might be your people who are broken, blessed, distributed for the sake of the world, I just pray that whatever way people need an encounter with you right now, whether they need healing, whether they need um, jagged emotions right now to be soothed in whatever form that we need you to be present, I pray, God, that somehow you would meet us in this meal and that you would just open our eyes. Let us just be aware of how present you are just in, in, in the taste of the bread and the Triscuits, the wine, the juice, uh, the Diet Coke, whatever it is that we have, that we just be aware that you're present to us in this. Uh, we just ask that you would meet with us now incarnate Christ in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: And we know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread Mm. and after giving thanks, he shared among his disciples and he said this, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you break this bread, do so remembering me. Do you wanna do cup?
0: Yeah, that's great and we remember also that after supper that he took a cup of wine and he said to his disciples this is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of many sins as often as you do this do this to remember me
1: as a little girl jonathan I loved communion like you did and my wise mama my first preacher said this bread means God will always love you.
0: Mm.
1: And she said, this cup means God will never leave you. Mm. So wherever you are, friends, listening, watching, God will always love you, and God will never leave you. Yes. This is for you. Mm. And we should pray the prayer that Jesus taught us disciples in the way we learned it and the way we know it the best yeah. our father who art in heaven how do you name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory
0: forever. Amen. 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 Oof. Oof. I am feeling that. Good grace. <laughs> <laughs> that felt real. Real, real. It was beautiful. So Thank you.
1: Nothing. Oh my goodness!
0: Well, thank you, Jackie, for the time, especially in the midst of what I know is it got to be an especially chaotic Holy Week for you. And I just want to thank you too for just—I've been so encouraged this week because again, I, I know you always speak prophetically and you always speak from a place of love. But it—it it just really is wonderful to see the ways that right now that. Uh, just the way you're representing the, the body of Christ in this moment, the way you're ambassador for all of us. And I think for a lot of folks who are so disillusioned right now with um, some of the, the images of religion they've been given, just the way that you're just kind of piercing through that. So just want to bless you and thank you for that and say how much it means to me. And I know for so many other pastors and church leaders that, um, that you're speaking the heart of Christ the way that you are. It's such a gift to the world, really is.
1: Jonathan, that means so much to me. I'm, I'm, I'm tired like you're tired. We're all overworking right now. So that is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I want to give you a blessing and a blessing to, to all the folks out there who are struggling for meaning, who wonder where God is, yeah. who wonder if they've done something wrong, and that's why this is affecting them. I want to say, God is love. Yes, and You are loved by this holy other. That is hemming you in from behind and before, mm-hmm. is guiding you through your life with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Mm-hmm. You will not be left alone, even in the valley of the shadow of God is here. Yeah. God is here, yes. and you are loved. God is love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Period. This is the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So go and be and Love as the body of Christ.
0: Amen. 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 Oh, thank you, Jackie. It's been so thank rich. You.
1: Thank you, Jonathan.
0: I love getting <laughs> Monday I... Thursday together. It's been awesome. By the way, I was talking to Otis Moss the Third on the phone last night. He said to give you his love. He thinks the world of you too. So
1: I love him so much. Listen, tell people that it's okay to come to middlechurch.org for some good church at eleven forty five Sunday.
0: I will send people your way, and y'all be streaming Easter service this weekend.
1: Eleven uh, forty-five. It's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's okay. awesome. Well, thank you, you, my
1: friend. It's so awesome. Thank Have a Good night. You. Bye.